wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. Back here in Russell Rant Radio for Thursday, November 9th, 2023. Grand Jason Matthews here, as always, alongside the one, the only, the illustrious, the almost 30, Mr. Marceau. RJ, brother, what's going on? Did you have to throw that in there? Or... <laughs> I'm doing good. I was doing better until you said that, but yeah, I'm doing pretty good. The countdown begins, my friend. The birthdays in a big seven days, the big birthday bash, the show falling on the episode itself. We'll see. I don't want to take you up on your birthday, but we'll figure something out for next week. I will be wishing you... A very happy birthday on that day, regardless of whether it's over the phone or, or what the case might be. But that's next week. We have this week to get through first. A uh, lot to talk about this week. Between Crown Jewel last week, and I know it kind of feels like it's in the rear view now as we head into Survivor Series in two weeks from Saturday. Thanksgiving's in two weeks from today. So, I mean, everything's kind of coming up quick. It's already November 9th. Don't remind me. But you talk about your 30th birthday. The month the, the month is already rolling on in here. Uh, but we got Crown Jewel to talk about from last weekend, Raw, NXT, and Dynamite as well. New episodes, of course, every single week on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Find the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show, never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Uh, Mr. Marceau, brother, Crown Jewel last week, and we don't have to do a full-on in-depth analysis here. It was five days ago from when we speak right now. But I thought overall it was a pretty good show. What were your top takeaways from the event? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good show. Um, like I thought, um, obviously, Kyrie Sane coming back was big. I thought the bronze Drew McIntyre match was really good. I thought it was a great way to start the show. Um, Paul and Mysterio was a good match. I thought the finish was... I mean, people are mad about Solo. I think that finish is just tired already uh, with that random guy just giving the brass knuckles. Um, I thought the main event was good. I mean, wasn't really upset. I knew Roman was going to win. Um, wish there wasn't like back to back to back to back interference in matches. Like I'm pretty much a stickler for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the Kyrie Zane, at least like there's like a story there. It makes a little bit of sense. I guess like the same thing you could say with Santos, but it's like, why would he like, I don't know. It's just so blatant. It's just like, everyone was like, why? Like, I don't know is for that for me. Like that was just so blatant. It like bothered me, but at least with Kyrie, like there's a storytelling there. Uh, I mean, Roman, obviously that happens every time. LOL. Um, but so I thought it was a solid show. Probably, probably one of the my least favorite out of the last couple Saudi shows. I don't know. I, I feel like there wasn't really anything that happened that was like. I feel like pretty much everyone we said was going to win one, so the predictability was kind of there. Um, I mean, the five way was whatever, um, but I thought it was a solid show overall. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty predictable show. Predictability, not always a bad thing, of course. But I think overall, it was not the most eventful you know, event. Um, they did have Kyrie Sane return, like you said. We have a new United States champion in Logan Paul. Beyond that, uh, not really the most eventful 
uh, pay-per-view that they've done. And like you said, one of the weaker Saudi shows they've done in recent years since they came back from COVID, pre-COVID, like those Saudi shows were absolutely abysmal. I don't know what happened, but I know Triple H is in charge now, but even pre-Triple H being in charge, their Saudi shows were a lot better when they came back from COVID. So uh, they've had some good ones. This was not one of their stronger ones, but it was better than Crown Jewel 2018 which they celebrated the five-year anniversary of a week ago, which it's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, that show was one of the worst pay-per-views I think I've ever seen. Um, but this was a good show. One of the overall weaker shows of the year, I think, as well, under the Triple H banner and the Vince banner as well, to give him credit, because he was involved and created for, for a time there before they kind of put him back in the corner. Um, but, you know, still, I thought this was a fine show for what it was. Capped off by an enjoyable main event between Roman Reigns and LA Knight for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Now, I'm going to be bouncing around here with stuff from Crown Jewel. LA Knight loses, Roman wins, LOL. We all expected this. This is not a surprise that Roman Reigns retains the championship on Saturday afternoon. That being said, Mr. Marceau, where do we go here from LA Knight, with, with LA Knight? Is this the peak of his popularity? Is this the case of, all right, guys, we gave you what you wanted. Now it's time for us to move on in the direction that we want to go in with Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, which is what other people want to see as well. I personally don't think this is the end of the line for for LA Knight. I do think there's a way that, and I've said this before, that he can kind of find his way to the United States Championship. Hate to call it a consolation prize. It would be compared to the World Championship. Obviously, at some point, hopefully in 2024, he can win World Championship gold. We have two titles now. Really no excuse why that can't happen at some point next year. But in the meantime, the Logan Paul thing, I would say for WrestleMania season, that to me feels like a WrestleMania match. What you do until then, though, is the question. Do you have any idea, any any suspicions, any ideas for what they could be doing in the coming in the coming months with LA Knight to keep him busy until the road to WrestleMania? Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough with him. Like I said, I feel like he, I think the Logan Paul thing is kind of what I'm aiming for him for WrestleMania as well. I feel like it makes the most sense. In the interim, I, it's tough on SmackDown. I just feel like there isn't really. I mean, is he going to just continue to fight with the bloodline? I mean, maybe he could do that, but I don't know. I feel like SmackDown's tough because, like, I think the him and Logan Paul is, like, where they're going, but I just, in the interim, I guess he just faced the Usos. Like, he already beat Jimmy. He beat, or I don't know if he beat Jimmy. He definitely beat Solo, so it's like, I don't think they're going to do that again. I guess they could do him and Jimmy because Jimmy kind of helped Roman beat him and do that for now. But besides that, there really isn't that many, like, Notif- notable heels for him to even face. So it's like, I don't think he's facing like Bobby and them. I don't think that really makes sense. So it's definitely tough. I feel like for for S- SmackDown specific, the heels are so limited. I don't really know exactly what you do with them next. Um, but I think all roads should lead to him versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania for the belt at this point. Yeah, again, I think it's just more a matter of maintaining that momentum in the meantime with something to do on television for the next two months. I mean, there's the Royal Rumble. He'll fail to win that, I'm sure, and people will want him to win. They'll boo when he gets eliminated. I'm sure that's coming. They can kind of kick off the story. I would imagine Logan Paul is still champion by them, which I imagine is the idea, which I've said before. Um, they can kind of kick it off after the Royal Rumble, or maybe even in the Royal Rumble. Maybe he eliminates Logan Paul, Logan Paul eliminates him. You can set it up there. I guess it's more a matter of what you do with him for the next two and a half months, because that's a long time for him not to really be doing much of no, which is where he was prior to this Bloodline program, before being endorsed by John Cena, and even the Miz stuff. He was doing a whole lot of nothing on SmackDown. He was on every week, but he wasn't winning a lot, and he wasn't really doing anything. Uh, We need him back on the show in a consistent manner going forward, not disappearing for weeks on end, and what that direction looks like is the key. Maybe he tries to work his way back up the championship picture. I'm not sure. They have a lot of baby faces. They're really not doing a whole lot of note from 
LA Knight, AJ Styles should be back probably as soon as this week. Um, the thing with AJ Styles is weird, though, because I would imagine that he's probably next in line for a shot at Roman Reigns' championship. But if Roman's not working Survivor Series, they might save that until the Royal Rumble. And that's okay, I guess. That's not for another two and a half months. Um, what is the... And I, I, I you know, broached this question earlier to you before we hit record here, and I was thinking about it, just wondering out loud. What do you think the SmackDown side of the Survivor Series card is going to look like. Raw did a great job on Monday, I thought, of setting up their side of the card for that pay-per-view with war games, a women's title match, an Intercontinental Championship match. What do you think we get at Crown Jewel, or rather at Survivor Series? Does Logan Paul compete in a match for the United States Championship? Does he face Ray in a rematch? Do we see... John Cena's probably gone for now as well. That was probably his swan song at that show at Crown Jewel. I'm just not really sure looking at the SmackDown side of things. Maybe something with the women, obviously. Probably a War Games match, which we'll get into. Um, I don't really know what else they do on that show, just given the pieces that they currently have on that show and who are who's active and who's available to work that event. No, I completely agree. I feel like the SmackDown side specifically, it's very muddied up. I mean, like you said, Logan Paul's not an active competitor. I, don't, I honestly don't expect Roman to be at the show. Um... Like I said, maybe we get him and Ray again with Logan Paul. I don't know if I really need to see it again, but uh, maybe we get that again, and maybe we just escalate the whole Santos thing even further. Um, but besides that, like the tag team, like the tag team champions aren't in it because they're in more games, so that, mm-hmm. they can you can knock that off. <sighs> like Solo, like I don't really know what you do with him if he's not in like a War Games match. Like that's what I'm thinking. It's like there's no one really on SmackDown that really makes sense to even put like in a match like that. Like I said, the women, yeah, I still think you're there is a story, but like you're gonna have to add other women in that don't really, I feel like really like belong in the story. But I guess you could do that as well. Um, I mean, it'd probably be like Charlotte, Bianca, maybe like Zelina. Insert another baby face first damage control on someone else. Like, I don't really know. But besides that, like, and that's even, like, kind of, like, up in the air. That's the only thing on Smart that I can even think of that you could do that's, like, even interesting. Like I said, you could do Ray and, and, and Logan again. I just, to me, I don't really need to see it again. So, I don't think you're going to do, like, the Prophets and, and Bobby versus anyone. That doesn't really make sense. Or really interest anyone right now. So, I don't know. SmackDown's kind of in a weird spot with when you have both champions not active. There really isn't a ton going on. So, I feel like they need to heat it up because besides the bloodline stuff, there really isn't anything overly interesting on SmackDown right now. I enjoy the show weekly, but yeah, when you take John Cena out of the equation, Roman Reigns, some of their bigger stars, you're kind of left with who we have. And they have a lot of over people. Kevin Owens being on the brand is great. And you have, you know, um, uh, LA Knight, obviously, and a few other you know components. AJ Styles should be back soon, probably as soon as tomorrow, if I would have to think. They want to kick off this Roman Reigns rivalry heading into the Royal Rumble, and he probably feuds with the Bloodline in the interim. Um, that would seem to make sense, but honestly, and I, and I said this to you previously, it looks like they're likely setting up a women's war games match for Survivor Series, and this is why I don't like them branding Survivor Series as the war game show. And I know I may have said the opposite years ago, because we had War Games as its own show in NXT for so long. I think we may have gotten four four installments, I think, four or five installments of, of uh, NXT War Games as its own show. I don't think War Games needs its own show. I've been saying this in recent years, probably not since the beginning, because I was just happy they were bringing it back, and I am. And I'm glad they're doing it on the Raw side. We'll get to that later. 
I don't think it needs to be attached to Survivor Series the same way Hell in the Cell had its own show or Extreme Rules had its own show. They did away with that stuff. I don't think War Games needs to be at Survivor Series. I know it makes sense with the name and whatnot, Survivor Series, War Games. I guess it kind of makes sense. But what I don't like, though, is that unlike with Money in the Bank or Elimination Chamber, with those pay-per-views, you get a men's Money in the Bank ladder match and a women's Money in the Bank ladder match. That makes sense. Elimination Chamber, which I've always said should not be its own show, but it is, and they want to make that like an obstacle on the road to WrestleMania. It is what it is at this point. They've been doing it for 15 years, whatever. Um, you have one for the men and usually one for the women. Okay. The problem here, though, is that I would only do War Games when it makes sense. The one on the Raw side with the men and Judgment Day makes sense. And I don't know why they announced it at the pay-per-view during a commercial at Crown Jewel instead of saving it for Raw. That's whatever. I just don't think there's anything with the women on SmackDown that makes sense to be in a War Games match. I know we were saying earlier, maybe EO, and you, you said this yourself, but EO, Kyrie, uh, Bailey, I mean, Chelsea and Piper? I know the men's match right now is 4-on-4. Four four. They don't even necessarily have to add two more people to make it 5-on-5. Five five. But that would be 3-on-3 three three and then throwing in anyone else. I'm not even sure who the, who else they have as a heel on SmackDown for the women. Uh, I know Dakota Kai's there, but she's hurt right now. Chelsea Green, and like I said, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, Charlotte and Bianca would make sense. They've had an issue with damage control, and Asuka as well. Maybe Asuka can be on their team. I guess that's an option. Maybe Asuka, Io, and Kyrie. But let's talk about that, though. I don't know about women's war games. I'm not exactly sold on that. But I do want to talk about this. Kyrie Sane returned to Crown Jewel. Not the biggest shock. It was cool to see her. I wasn't sure she'd be back on that show specifically. But it's been in the works now for three months. We brought her name up recently because the rumor was she would be there imminently. They said over SummerSlam weekend she'd be in around November. It's November, and she's back. That makes sense. Um, I love the idea of her pairing back up with EO Sky. I'm watching the pay-per-view on Saturday thinking this doesn't make any sense. Because the last time we saw Kyrie Sane, she was attacked by Bailey. Why is she helping Ia win with Bailey there? But then they kind of tease tension with Kyrie and Bailey, and you texted me yourself that you like this idea too. The Kyrie and Io are friends with Bailey on the outs. I like that a lot, actually. And now the talk is they might be adding more women to this group, maybe getting rid of Bailey, maybe adding another woman instead with Kyrie, Io, and someone else. Um, I know Julia's name was in, you know, making headlines this week. Her name was being talked about. She's currently the New Japan Strong Women's Champion. I don't know much about her. I haven't seen much of her work. From what I have seen, she's great. She's got a great look. I think she'd be a perfect fit for WWE if they used her properly. The problem is her contract isn't up until March. She won't be there anytime soon. But just give me your lowdown, Mr. Marceau, of the SmackDown Women's Division right now and how Kyrie Sane's return kind of shakes things up even more than it already was. EO is still champion. We've talked about her before. She's had a great reign so far. Some really good matches. The match with Bianca I thought was really good. Crowd didn't really care, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And now we have this new faction on the horizon as well that I think has the potential to be a lot of fun. No, I thought like Kyrie coming back, like you said, was good. And I think the dynamic of, like you said, she was attacked by Bailey before she left, and it seemed like there was some tension there. Um, and it's like, did EO bring Kyrie in to help her? Because she was mad that Bailey came out to help her. So it's like, clearly she yeah. would know that Kyrie is there. So it's like, Clearly add some tension there. Um, but no, I think the SmackDown roster is good. They just need to build up more women. Like, my biggest complaint is, like, I don't need to see Bianca and Charlotte going for the title. So I'm very glad, um, you know, won here. Same with Asuka. I feel like I'm just kind of tired of seeing her in the title picture. But no, I think Kyrie's like, a new good person. Depending on how they push her and how they use her, I feel like she could be, like, another breakout star another champion that can like get the championships away from the people that win it constantly 
um, and just like another good person to, to work with. So I thought it was a good addition. Um, I think SmackDown's women's division's far superior to Raw's. I think Raw's Ripley, Becky, and everyone else at this point. Um, I think SmackDown, you could name five or six women that I wouldn't even have a problem being champion. So I think that's kind of the big thing for SmackDown. I think they have a lot of good women. They don't really have a lot of spots for them. Raw's the complete opposite. They have a ton of women that aren't going to win the belt. It's Rhea win LOL at this point, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think her going to SmackDown makes a lot of sense, though. I think it was the right spot for her to be in. We, we've said this before. I think it just makes sense for her to be back on SmackDown, working with Asuka, working with EO. The Asuka thing is interesting, though. Um, I, I just mentioned this. I don't really want Asuka, although she would make sense as a fourth person for that Kyrie Sane, EO, Bailey team, kind of. It would kind of make sense. In the sense that I know Kyrie and Asuka were friends when Kyrie got hurt on the show three years ago and Bailey attacked her. The only reason it wouldn't make sense is that Bailey would be there because Asuka doesn't like Bailey. Asuka was feuding with EO a month ago, so they would really have to make that make sense. But then again, maybe it's Asuka, Kyrie, and uh, EO that have the connection, and Bailey's just kind of like the fourth woman, just happening to ha- just so happens to be on the team. Um, I don't like the idea of Asuka maybe not being in the group. That doesn't like bother me. I don't like the idea of her being the leader because that was proposed to me and I just do not like that idea at all. I don't think you need to build a group around Asuka at this point. Definitely not EO and Kyrie who do not need her, who should be their own stars. EO's shining right now. If there's a group, EO should be the leader. If there is a leader, it would be EO. Um, like I said, Julia would be great, but she's not coming in anytime soon. I made this joke on Twitter, but they had the Black Triad in Lucha Underground many years ago, feuding with Pentagon Jr. I know this is just such a deep cut, but anyone who watched it knows what I'm talking about. And it was actually Eosky, Kyrie Sane, and Mayu Iwatani, who is uh, the current IWGP Women's Champion over in New Japan right now. She ain't coming over either. But, you know, I think someone like her would be great, uh, just to kind of complete the triad. It doesn't have to be a Joshi wrestler necessarily. But is there any one name that makes sense to you that you would like to see a part of this group? Or do you think it just works with EO and Kyrie for the time being? I think for the time being, it could just be them too. Um, like I said, I like Asuka, but I wouldn't want her in it because I feel like I could overshadow EO right now. And like you said, you think you put it perfect. Like if she was, I want EO to be the top. Like, you know, need Asuka to be like um, like the face of the group. I think it's EO's time, so just let her be the face of the group. But no, I think right now you can just do them too. And like I said, maybe if. If Julia's under their horizon, maybe add her on later on. Um, I think it would just make the most sense. Um, and then eventually get her through Rio and Kyrie and kind mm. of build it through that. Like, I don't think you don't need like someone like Oscar to be in the group because I feel like she's already made. Maybe you could just have her as like the veteran, but I just feel like at this point I'd keep it Kyrie and Eo for now. Eventually get the Bailey split and then um, we'll see. But like I said, I'm glad it's not Bianca. Or Charlotte, so that's the biggest positive I can take out of all of them. Yeah, no, they need to kind of move away, and I like Bianca a lot, obviously. I like Charlotte. They need to move away from them in the title picture for the time being. There's nothing more of a story that can be told there. Um, I know they've had their opportunities cost by damage control. I get that, but dude, they've been champions several times already this year, have had countless title shots, both of them. And I love Charlotte's obviously a lot worse with because she's been here forever. Bianca, not so much. I don't dislike Bianca being the title picture, but there's other people I would rather see in the picture instead. Bianca losing a crown jewel should be the the end of it for right now with her in the title picture. Maybe still feuding with damage control for, for now. I say it for now because we already saw this on Raw. I feel like I'm watching the same show over again. Um, but for now, it's okay. With Bailey though, that you, you, you pose an interesting point. Her being on the outs of the group, and this is the other thing I wanted to talk about. 
What are your thoughts on a potential Bailey face turn? Is it overdue? Is it time for it? Um, she hasn't been a heel now, or rather a babyface, in over four years since she turned with Sasha and they formed their kind of uh, power team across Raw and SmackDown. They won the championships. They became tag team champions. That obviously culminated in their feud a year later. But Bailey's been a heel ever since. She was involved with Sasha. She's done her own thing. She had the she's had the damage control faction going on now. Is it time to turn Bailey babyface? And if it is, the problem there is that you already have a bunch of babyfaces on SmackDown from Charlotte, Bianca, Shotzi, Zelina, and probably one or two other people. You would likely have to turn someone. Um, but I think a, a Bailey babyface turn might be something that's on the horizon and something I'm not exactly upset over. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is like. I mean, it seems like that's where they're going. I guess my question is like, why would people feel bad for her when she's been like, like I feel like Io is more babyface than than Bailey is. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you could you could shift so, like, the story. You have to though. definitely work it up a little bit. Like she like didn't want Bailey's help, and Bailey's been kept helping her cheat in the way. It's not like she's like. Like, with Roman, it's like he wants to help. So it's like he's a heel, he's a dick, whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's more like Bailey's been, like, kind of inserting herself. I mean, like I said, obviously, they beat the hell out of her, turn her face. But, um, I mean, like I said, I think the problem with SmackDown, like you said, they are so babyface high-heavy. Like, they have Bianca, they have Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's just, to me, a tweener at this point. Like, yeah, she is a babyface, but she's just, like... She's just a heel to me, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, like I said, it wouldn't be too bad, but like I said, like, Zelina's been getting over, I wouldn't really put, Sh- I mean, Shotzi's a baby face, but, I mean, I feel like Zelina is, a, could, has a, a, like, chance to be a breakout baby face, but, like, if you content, if you consider Charlotte and Bianca, then, like you said, you'd have to turn one of them heel, because Bailey, like, they're gonna, Bailey would be kind of lost in that, unless she just beats EO, and then kind of goes on a rain, but then there's no heels for her to face. So, um, no, I think you just have to work it right. Cause like I said, I feel like she's more heel. I've been saying this for a while. Like I feel like EO was like kind of destined to go baby face, but with this new Kyrie mm-hmm. Alliance, I feel like it'd be more Bailey now. Yeah, no, I was thinking EO would turn too. I think that was the direction they were likely headed in, but the Kyrie Sane twist, uh, you know, adds an interesting wrinkle. So I like where they're going with it instead if they turn Bailey, I mean, he said Charlotte's a tweener. I mean, she, she kind of is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think Oscar is more of like an actual tweener than Charlotte is. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Oscar. She was a heel. Well, she turned heel earlier this year. She came back as a babyface, but she turned heel, and then she was kind of a tweener after she lost the championship. I don't know what her status is at all. We haven't seen her on the show in at least a month or so, probably since Fastlane. Um, that's what I'm saying. I don't really want her in the group, but she's also I would put her more on the babyface side. So you can't turn Bailey while also keeping Charlotte, Bianca, and Asuka babyfaces, too. You would have to turn someone. I, I would turn Charlotte, and then again, I, I've said this before, I think you can do a Bianca-Charlotte um, feud, non-title, and I think both women can benefit because they're both on the show. You are right, though. You make a good point with the divisions. I think Raw has so many women. We saw it in the Battle Royal. They have a lot of great talent on the Raw roster. The issue is, I would say probably 80% of them are not over. And they're trying to get them over, which is good. They have a lot of different stories right now on, the, on Raw with the women. They got the tag team title stuff with Tegan Ox, Natalia, Piper Nevin, and Chelsea Green. They got the Becky Lynch Zaya stuff. They just debuted Ivy Nile. She did really well in the Battle Royal. She might even feud with Nia Jax. And now we got Rhea Ripley as champion doing her thing, facing Zoe Stark at Survivor Series. We'll get to that. SmackDown doesn't really have a lot of stories beyond what's going on in the title picture, so. I mean, they were doing Bailey and Shotzi for a time, but they kind of moved away from that. Not like it was the most enticing story in the world, but they completely dropped it out of nowhere. So I think they just need more women on SmackDown. It's more, 
actual heels. And I think if you have EO as a heel, Kyrie, whoever they add to their group, and then Charlotte, I think that's that's more even with Bailey on the babyface side. I think that's more even. So I guess we'll see how it shakes out. And then that eventual Bailey EO match will also be very interesting to follow as well because I think that could be great. Uh, one last thing on the Crown Jewel show, Mr. Marceau. That being Solo Sokoa, of all the matches we predicted, we got every single one right. I think we predicted all the same matches you and I did, except for Solo and John Cena. I definitely predicted John Cena. Did you pick Solo Sokoa to win? I don't remember. No, I picked Cena, but I said I thought Solo should win. Okay, that, I, I said the same thing as well then. I We were we were both wrong. I, I thought Cena would win, and he did not. Not only did he not win, he lost clean as a sheet, taking what felt like a million Samoan spikes, which was a bit <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, the guy still won decisively. That was the key. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by this because they were really, really hamming it up. Oh, John Cena hasn't won a singles match on TV in five years, and if he doesn't, his career might be over, and he might lose the respect of the audience. It's like, what is this bullshit? Like, come on, stop. This is some of the stuff that they do with Cena from time to time that's just cringeworthy. But listen, he lost, and uh, they were playing up afterward that he might be retired, which is ridiculous. I ask you this, so Solo wins, and the key is obviously capitalizing on it. Austin Theory also beat John Cena once upon a time, and, and no one gave a shit, because the feud sucked, the match was okay, but the aftermath was completely non-existent. Solo, I think they see as a bigger deal than Austin Theory, so I think Solo could and will and should benefit. With Cena, though, is kind of where I'm going with this question. What do you see being next for John Cena? Now, we know the strike is over. I think it actually just ended last night at midnight. So that that's officially done with. He's going back to Hollywood. His run wrapped up perfectly with uh, Crown Jewel being last week. And it's almost as if he timed it that way, honestly. And so now he's gone from WWE. We do not know when John Cena will be back. It doesn't look like he's working Survivor Series. He may not even be around for WrestleMania. Do you think, and people have pitched this idea, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think of it in a second. What do you think of the idea of them telling this story with Cena where he continues to lose like this, and he already has lost several times, where he can't win on pay-per-view, where he can't win a singles match, and it somehow leads to him winning the championship for the 17th time. And it's not completely random that I bring this up because people were talking about it after Ric Flair, which we'll also get to, signed to the AEW last week, and people are like, do you think WWE would do this out of spite by giving Cena his 17th world title to officially break Rick's record? What are your thoughts on that, and do you think that's plausible? I mean, it's definitely plausible. I don't think I see it happening. I mean, I like I, said, I feel like seemingly he's done now. I mean, I mean, I guess something could happen, but I don't know. Like, I I just feel like he he would have to win to get a title shot at this point. Like, I don't think he would just get one just because he's John Cena. I mean, like I said, he's lost so much lately that I mean, I guess it is possible. I don't think I want and need to see it happen. Um, I mean, I don't think they need a spy Ric Flair. I mean. I don't think that's necessary. So, I mean, I think he'll. I think he'll eventually will break it. I think. You think so? I think. I don't know. It's tough. I. I, I mean, at this point, I. I would say like ten years ago, I thought he was easily going to break. Sure. It. We're still here, but I don't know. I. I just feel like, like I said, he would have to come back and like have a run and actually win a couple times. Like he's lost so much mm-hmm. that I feel like he won't do it. I mean, I'm not against the idea, but I don't need to see it happen. So, I mean, the story they're telling is not that he's losing, but he hasn't won a singles match. So this just popped into my head. Again, I'll give you my thoughts on it in a second. If he's around, he could win the Royal Rumble or an Elimination Chamber match to earn a world title match at WrestleMania. Now, I didn't tell you when this would happen, but I mean, WrestleMania is a possibility if he can work it. I don't think he is. I mean, it's Mania 40. They probably want him for that show. 
I know we kind of had our we we, we kind of figured they're doing Roman and Cody, but there is another world championship. And I know we're kind of figuring probably Rollins and Gunter, but what if it was Rollins and Cena or Gunter and Cena or someone else and John Cena? No to Gunther and Cena. No <laughs> fucking chance. Rusev 2.0. <laughs> So what do you think of Cena? I mean, again, I know you, I, I listen, I agree. I just literally wrote an article yesterday about how wins still matter and Cena getting a title shot after losing for five straight years doesn't exactly back up my case, but he could win a multi-man match to become a number one contender and win a championship, whether it be at Mania or at some other point next year. I don't think this is a story that goes on until 2025, but I think this is something they can do in 2024. I'm just saying, what about that? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want him to see? If they want him ever at WrestleMania, just to have him for the 40th edition, yep. hey, have him do like what The Rock did and beat like some job guy in fucking two minutes. In an advertised like, match or no? No, do what they did with like Rock and Eric Rowan. Okay. Like, just have him beat up some random... Be, have him beat Grayson Waller in fucking two seconds, and he'd be like, I want a fucking singles match. We... I don't need a team champion right now, I swear. I, we're trying to make some moves forward. We don't need Cena as a world champion right now. All right, couple things. I agree and I disagree with that. I wouldn't culminate. It, it, this is the story they're going with. I think they have something here with Cena not being able to win a match in five years, televised singles match, whatever. I wouldn't blow it off in a two-minute singles match at Mania. I wouldn't do that. But I wouldn't have him win the world title either. I think that's stupid. I honestly think, and I haven't, really talked about this because I was just I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it first I think the idea of him winning another world championship is completely fucking dumb and here's why the guy's washed he clearly cannot go in there and carry a match at this point I mean it's John Cena he's not awful in the ring but I, I think it's been at least a good six or seven years dude since he's had like a really good match the Roman Reigns match at SummerSlam two years ago I thought I actually really enjoyed that but it wasn't like an instant classic and not every match he has is an instant classic but he's been ha- he's it's clear every time he goes in there and I thought the solo match was solid but it's clear every time he goes in there he's going through the motions maybe it's because he's not around long enough to kind of get back in the swing of things I don't know but the Cena matches aren't really that good and I think if they just put the championship on him like they did the last time the last time he won a world title was when he beat AJ Styles at Royal Rumble 2017 and guess what he held the belt for two fucking weeks and I think it was just so evident they wanted him to get to 16. And that was another story. He couldn't beat AJ Styles. And he finally beat him. And he won the title in the process. It was a great story. But then he lost the title two weeks later. And I honestly wish he didn't. Because at Mania, that would have prevented us from getting that terrible Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt match. The first one, not the second one, which we were there for. We were there for the first one. I was there for the second one, too. But anyway, um, <laughs> he should not win the world championship. I have literally sub-zero desire in another John Cena world title run. I think the time to do that would have been four or five years ago when he was around a little more and was probably more capable of having a better match. I'm not saying like he's Hogan TNA levels. That would just be insulting, but he can he, he just is not capable of having like a real run at this point. And it would honestly, to me be like the equivalent of the rock. If the rock came back and won a championship, which is fucking ridiculous, he would obviously lose it a month later. And you can argue, oh, they did that with Rock in 2013. Yeah. Cause again, it made sense for the story. I just don't think it makes sense for Cena to go on this losing streak win the world title from God knows who. It could be Rollins, it could be Gunter. I just don't think he does his opponent any favors. And then he drops it soon after. So I, I just bring up the idea because I had seen people talking about it. I actually fucking hate the idea of him ever holding the championship again. You said he might, you, you said that he could break the record and it's very possible that he will. I don't need to see it. I think the, the spiting Ric Flair thing is so ridiculous and not because the company is ridiculous for doing it because they would be. I think it's ridiculous to even think that they would give a shit about Ric Flair's record at this point, considering he has zero value to AEW whatsoever, personally. 
So that's my two cents on that. Anything else on the John Cena World Championship thing? So it's not more of John Cena. So like you said, like kind of, kind of going off what we were previously talking about. Like what? I guess my question is, what's the payoff for Solo? Like, how is him beating Cena going to pay off for him? I agree I with that too. So like that's the thing. It's like everyone's like, oh, I got to win over John Cena. Like, and he should have. Which he should have, but it's like, what? Like, what's the Solo payoff? That is my question. I feel like he wins all the time. Like. Is he the one that beat Roman finally? Like, there has to be some payoff because he keeps winning, but he's beating people. If there's nothing to ever come out of it, then he's just another stooge, basically. Like, I like Solo a lot, but there needs to be some kind of payoff because him beating, like, Cena and winning constantly, it's like, okay, but, like, what's he going to win? Like, Mm -hmm. he needs to win something to validate himself because he just keeps winning, and I feel like it's going to get to the point. It's like, he beat John Cena, but, like, what's the next step? That's my point, I guess. That it's like you yeah. said, like him winning at least with theory, like they didn't pay it off, but like they see more in solo. But like, what's the payoff? I mean, before Roman inevitably faces and hopefully, I say not not will, but hopefully loses the championship to Cody because we've talked about before how it's definitely not set in stone. We've talked about this in August. Do you think it's possible that Solo is the person to at least face, not beat, but face Roman maybe at the Rumble? I know I said AJ. That's not set in stone because they might just move on from that, honestly. They, it's not like they haven't done that before. Do you think they could do Solo and Roman at the Rumble and that's before he gets to Cody and it's like, come WrestleMania, Roman has, <clears throat> Roman has no one. He has Paul Heyman, but he doesn't have anyone else. Do you think that might be one direction they can go in? I guess what would Solo's motives be to face Roman? At SummerSlam, when he was helping Roman, they were teasing tension. It didn't go anywhere because we've seen him help Roman. He helped Roman at Crown Jewel, and nothing came out of it. But I mean, I he, mean, he didn't really help him. But it was more Jimmy. But I mean, oh, I guess it'd be one of those ref. things that's like, I don't know. Roman could be cocky, and be like I don't need you, because like I said, he, like I didn't need you at at, at Crown Jewel because technically Jimmy was the one that like technically helped him. I don't know. I just feel like that's the thing. It's like, I think that's where it's going eventually, but it's like right now there's nothing that makes sense to say. that's like that he, he's going to face Rome. I mean, I just, I, like I said, but the thing is if he faces Roman and loses, then what's the, like, there's no payoff. Well, the payoff is at least the, the reason he beat Cena and he should have beat Cena, like we said, but at least beating Cena would therefore in a way earn him an opportunity at the world title. Because I just, like you said, I don't know. I agree. I don't know what else you, to make this worthwhile, I'm not sure what else you can do. Because it's not like he's winning the mid-card title. Logan Paul has that. If it was Ray, then maybe, but he's not winning that. I don't know. I don't really know what else you do with him. Because it's not like there's any other top. There's no higher babyface to beat on SmackDown than John Cena. So, I mean, I feel like he would have to go for the championship, even if it means that he loses. Which is fine by me. I just don't know what else you do. I, I agree, though. I guess that's my other problem with his booking. It's like he beats everyone else, but then he loses to everyone that faces Roman. Like, he lost to LA Knight. He lost to Cody. He lost to Jay. Like, he's yeah. basically like the, like, he's like the boss, like the, the tier boss below the big boss. Like, you beat him, you get to face Roman, but it's like, what does that do for him at the end? He's just like a gatekeeper. Like, no, he's I agree. Yeah. gatekeeper. Like, he beats everyone else, but if you beat Solo, you get to face Roman. Well, I think that's I. I think the common denominator here and the issue with all of this is Roman Reigns. If Roman Reigns isn't champion, then at least you can argue that he should be world champion. I don't think Solo should be world champion anytime soon, but at least you can say, all right, give him a title shot, or he goes for the belt, or he wins this. Logan Paul not being around doesn't help either. But 
It's the same thing with LA Knight, though. I mean, or really anyone that Roman Reigns has faced. Like, you can beat all these people, and then they lose, and then where do they go from there? Half of the people I feel like Roman has beaten in the last three years don't even work in the company anymore. I mean, with with LA Knight, we just talked about it. I just don't know what you do with him next. He, he peaked with the Roman Reigns match. There's nothing... I feel like that's why they should have waited to do this match until closer to Mania, because anything else in comparison to that is a step down for Solo Sokoa. There's nothing else he can do. If Roman's not around, I don't want more AJ Styles solo Sokoa matches. I'm just not interested. Uh, that's probably where we're going with this, but they just need more depth on that SmackDown division, that SmackDown roster towards the top of the card, I think is my thing. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said, I, just, I mean, I think there should be a payoff for him. I just don't really know what direction he's going. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out. I mean, that's the big hook that they were teasing uh, heading into SmackDown with the commercials. Oh, what's Solo Sokoa going to do? It's like, <laughs> I honestly think they're asking themselves that question because I'm not really sure they know either. I, I don't want to complain too much because I think that's better than John Cena beating him and then John Cena going away. I would have had a big issue with that, which I thought was going to happen, and they did not. They did the right thing. But now we ask, as we always do here on the show, what is next? And hopefully we find out on Friday night. Uh, heading on into Raw from Monday, a pretty eventful, newsworthy show. I alluded to it several times, but the big story, we are getting war games at Survivor Series. They made the announcement during Crown Jewel. Not sure why, if they were just going to announce it on Raw anyway. But Adam Pierce made the announcement, <clears throat> not William Regal. He works there now, but uh, I don't think he can appear on TV until 2025 or 2024. So it wasn't Regal, it was Adam Pierce. But it's going to be Judgment Days. I think J.D. McDonough's in the group now. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But it's going to be him, Dominic, Damian, and Finn Balor versus Cody. Rollins being on the same side is interesting. In Chicago, no less, which is where their Hell in the Cell match took place last year. Those two, Jey Uso and Sami Zayn. I like this a lot. It's pretty much a, It's pretty much the match I thought we would get a couple months ago when I said, oh, probably Owens and Zayn, Cody and Jay. Now Rollins is in here instead. I think the match that I said was... Owens, Zane, Cody J, Rollins, against the four members of Judgment Day, and Drew. But Owens is on SmackDown, so you put um, someone else on team, you know, the babyface team instead. <clears throat> but for right now, it's 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 four on four. It's not five on five. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But your thoughts on uh, War Games being made official for the Raw side at Survivor Series on Monday night? Yeah, I think this makes sense. I mean... I think that's what we were discussing before. It's like, at least with Raw, there's a story there, and it makes sense to do War Games. I think with War Games specifically, and same with Hell in a Cell, it doesn't have to go, like, tit for tat. Like, just because the men are having one doesn't mean the women have to have one. It's like, the story's there, it's story's there. At least with Raw, like, the Judgment Day, like, they've screwed over all these people. It makes sense, uh, like you said as well. I think you add Drew to the Judgment Day side and then add another face to the to the to the men's side for for raw so i think it makes sense i like it i i just don't think you need to have a women's one just to equate the men no i don't think so either i think this makes sense storyline wise it won't matter if they just go right back to doing excuse me judgment day main events they're all coming out of this show and they have judgment day still feuding with cody and jay and zane and rollins i mean we need to move on from this shit i'm not saying break up the group but there needs to be sort of some progression here where Judgment Day get their comeuppance at the hands of the babyfaces, and then they can move on with a big win, and then they can maybe tease tension within Judgment Day and Damian Priest maybe cashes in or he fails to cash in, which would be dumb. But there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. I thought what we got on Raw, though, was great. We got a Rollins-Zane main event for the World Heavyweight Championship. I really enjoyed that. They had a straightforward singles match. No bullshit finish, which is what I was expecting. Um, really good match. Clean finish. The announcement came afterward. That was the setup for the matchup. 
What if they do add two more people? I don't think they need to, and they didn't put two more people in the graphic. But every War Games match we've gotten, for the most part in the last couple of years, has been five on five. The one in NXT, the last one in NXT, Team NXT versus Team, or it was NXT 2.0 and Team Black and Gold. That was four on four. Um, and then the first one they did in 2017 was like three on three on three. We haven't seen that since. I think that was like a one-off thing. Other than that, it's typically... Actually, that's not even true, because I think the Undisputed Era ones were four on four as well, because there were four people in their group. So I think it maybe was four on four in NXT. The ones that we saw last year at Survivor Series were five on five. So that's why I think they might add more members. If they add more members, I think the logical pick would be Drew for the heel team. Maybe not necessarily joining Judgment Day, but linking up with them because he just doesn't like Rollins and those guys right now. I don't know if you turn him full-blown heel in the next two weeks. You only have two Raws left to really set that in stone. So that might be a bit, you know, rushing things. But I think you add Drew to the heel team. Maybe they try scouting him on Raw and he joins Judgment Day's team. And then on the babyface team, you have a surprise partner, whether they reveal it on Raw or likely at the pay-per-view itself. I think not CM Punk, but rather Randy Orton, who's rumored to be back around this time around Survivor Series. He is Mr. Survivor Series, after all, for a lot of people. He doesn't have any issues with Judgment Day, but he is friends with Cody Rhodes. We know their past. We know their history. And uh, I feel like that'd be a pretty cool surprise if we're not getting CM Punk on that show. So what are your thoughts on that? And if not, if you don't like that, then who would you put on either side instead if it were to be five on five? If it was five on five, I'd, I'd have the same people you mentioned with Orin on the babyface side and Drew on the heel side. I don't hate it if it just stayed four and four. I feel like it kind of gets very messy with five guys, and also the match lasts longer. Um, but I mean, if you're gonna have a good, like I said, a good surprise that's not CM Punk. I mean, Randy makes sense. He's friends with Cody. You can have Cody be like, "I call him my boy." Randy comes back. Maybe that's maybe get Randy turn heel at some point. Get, get him and Cody down the road. Um, no pun intended. Uh, but no, I think that makes sense. If you're going 5-5, five and five, that's what I'd want to say. Yeah, I think that's the match to do, honestly. Um, I'm not saying necessarily they have to do that, but I think it would be cool if they did, and the crowd would go nuts for Orton. You'd get a great reaction in Chicago, being back for the first time almost exactly in a year and a half, and uh, it'd be a very memorable moment, so we'll see what they have in, what they have in store for that. But also from Raw on Monday night, we have two new number one contenders crowned. Not for the World Championship, although we did get Zayn and Rollins, as I mentioned. But Zoe Stark is the new number one contender for the Women's World Championship, winning the Battle Royal. And she did get the shot at Crown Jewel. She wasn't pinned, though. So Zoe Stark surprisingly winning that Battle Royal, and then as expected, winning the Fatal 4-Way, although it was a botched finish, apparently, reportedly per uh, Dave Meltzer. The Miz is next in line to challenge Gunter for the Intercontinental Championship, also at Survivor Series. So give me your thoughts on that, Stark being next in line for Ripley and Miz being next in line for Gunter, both matches set in stone for Survivor Series. Yeah, I like that Stark's won here. I like her a lot. I think she's got a good look, and I liked what she did in NXT. I just, I mean, I think this is the problem most of women on Raw. They just, one, they're not over, and two, I don't think they're going to get over because they're not going to win. Um, I mean, I don't think she's being Ripley here. So I think she can do well, but I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the Raw and the women, Raw women to the SmackDown women. At least the SmackDown women, like most of them have won belts. Um, have been in a prominent spot for a while, saw like, success at NXT, so at least maybe that brought that over. Like, Starks did nothing in NXT. She didn't win anything. I like her, but, I mean, that's kind of her biggest problem right now with the rest of the women. They're just not over. Uh, but I like that she's getting the shot here. It feels like... who did Someone faced, like, someone last year that just wasn't over. Uh, oh, like, Shotzi yeah, and Ronda. Yeah, perfect example. Like, last year was Ronda versus Shotzi. Like, that gives me the same vibes as this. It's like... Yep. Zoe and Rhea. Okay, it's a filler so match, what, yeah. 
same thing. And then I like Miz winning. I mean, I guess they were supposed to be like, Ivar was supposed to win as well. I didn't happen. Um, but like we said, I think we got the Miz here. I think Gunther wins, LOL. Um, but like I said, I think done right, Miz could have a decent baby face around. Yeah, we talked about that last week. I like Miz and Gunter for that pay-per-view, and we'll probably get not next week on Raw because it's Miz and Ivar next week. I don't think their plans really changed, and people asked, oh, was it going to be Ivar in the match as well as a triple threat? No, I think it was just going to be in a number one contenders match straight up. Miz and uh, Ivar one-on-one this coming week. They're still doing the match because Ivar attacked Miz following his win. It's just not going to be for the number one contendership, so that makes sense. The Zoe Stark match, kind of the same thing as last year's match. Pretty good equivalent, pretty good comparison there that... You know, Shotzi wasn't over, Stark isn't really over, but I think, I mean, at least unlike that match, that was also a filler match, but that match just sucked. It just was not very good at all. This match, I think, could be a lot better. Uh, Ripley and Stark can go in there, have a great match. They haven't worked one-on-one yet. It has a weird heel-versus-heel dynamic, so I'm curious to see how the Chicago crowd reacts to that. Maybe They'll obviously get behind Ripley, but it should be interesting. Um, But I'm looking forward to that. I think it should be a fine match, and it's something we haven't seen before, so it's, it's something fresh and... With Zoe, I mean, you know, I really like the Trish, you know, pairing, as we talked about in months past. The issue there, though, is that she turned on Trish. We never saw Trish again, which I didn't expect us to. But they didn't really follow up on it at all. They followed up on it by putting her with Shayna. And I'm like, but why, though? No one cares about Shayna right now. They didn't really follow up with her either, following her win over Ronda Rousey. She's not over. Stark isn't over. It was just weird. Uh, so I don't know, but I'm looking forward to Stark and Rhea Ripley though. I think the Miz match makes sense. I'm looking forward to Miz and Gunter at that pay-per-view at uh, Survivor Series for the Intercontinental Championship. Last couple things here, Mr. Marso, for you. On the NXT front, it was announced on, I think Tuesday night, actually. NXT is headed to Variety. No, no, I'm sorry. It was announced by Variety, actually, but it, it's headed to the CW in the fall of 2024, moving from USA after five years on USA over to the CW next October, so a pretty big deal, no longer on USA, I think it's probably going to be the same night, probably still two hours, I would have to imagine, a big deal in the sense that it's probably a step down viewership-wise, because no one watches the CW, their their shows get just terrible ratings, maybe NXT can bring real viewership to that show, to that network, it probably will be the highest rated show on the entire network, not saying much, um... But, you know, it's it's away from Raw, most likely. It's away from SmackDown. It's going to be its own entity. And reportedly, they're making more money from those media right fees for NXT than any other time in the show's history. So I would call that a success overall. Yeah, no, I think it's a good step for them. Like I said, they're making more money. I mean, CW is on broadcast TV, so, I mean, it's a little bit different than the USA Network. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they've also... Um, I believe they were bought out recently in the last couple of years, and they've been really pushing... Um, like live sports and stuff like that. I know that they, I think the ACC, like for football and basketball, I think they're, they have a rights deal with the CW. I know some of the NASCAR stuff's moving over to the CW, so they're definitely making moves uh, to kind of get more in the sports world. And like you said, they're making allegedly two times as much as they're making now on USA. So, I mean, they just keep printing money. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, no, they're making a lot of money, dude. I think it's... um. They have to be careful, though, because we've talked about this before with SmackDown, SmackDown moving to USA. They're making more money for it, I think, than they were from Fox, but it's going to be on a much lesser network, and I think that's the same thing with NXT going to the CW. Like you said, difference between cable and broadcast television, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, they're making more money from it now because it was getting higher ratings on USA, 
five years from now, will they get that same amount of money from another network if they're on a lower level network, not doing the same ratings they are doing in 2023? Probably not. They got to be careful of that. I mean, if they're making more money, it seems like a temporary gain for a long-term loss. And I hope that's not the case. I mean, obviously the product probably will not be as hot now as it is in five years from now. I mean, listen, they are, they got what they wanted though. We've talked a lot about how they're having mean roster stars on the show and they have now for six months and over longer um, to boost the ratings and to get people talking about NXT and to get people, you know, to make the show more appealing to advertisers and to more appealing to potential networks. And, and, and they got it. They got it with the CW and they're making a lot of money from it, which is great. I think the overall show, honestly, and even if they take away the main roster stars, has improved dramatically. We've talked a lot about NXT lately. We're probably going to be a deadline in a couple weeks and, and about a month of that you know, shithole in Bridgeport, but it should be a fun show. I think the NXT show is kind of slowly becoming its, its own thing, really finding its footing as a you know standalone show that's entertaining from week to week, and as, as opposed to being more hit and miss than it was like even a couple of months ago or definitely a year or two ago. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I watch it more now than I have in a while. Um, I think they've kind of developed some good stars on their own. Like, so the WWE, like, main roster people that they've kind of intertwined, I feel like, has kind of, like, enhanced uh, the young stars, and they're starting to kind of get their footing as well. So I think it's been a decent, like I said, it's been a decent more view than it has in the past, not like a hit or miss. But, I mean, I think their ratings also have gone up, like, significantly since the show's been a more consistent show as well. So I think they're starting to make some some stars, and I think... It's a just a better weekly product than it definitely was before. Yeah, and it should pay off, too. Hopefully, when at some point these people make the main roster, you have Triple H in charge. Hopefully, there's more synergy there. I, I like it a lot, so I've been enjoying the show. Um, the real kicker in all of this, and I talked about this on Hashtag Ask GSM on Wednesday, that the CW, for some people, might sound familiar. I know SmackDown was there 15 years ago, but recently it was reported and rumored to be the landing spot for the NWA. And the NWA hasn't been relevant in a long time, but they were able to land two television deals with the CW, one for a reality series and one for power. And now that's probably off the table after that Coke spot that Father James Mitchell did at their most recent NWA pay-per-view. I mean, at last word, before the NXT report came out, they were going to be not on the CW channel anymore, but rather on the CW app. Now, they didn't even announce the CW deal, so if the CW goes back on it or they can't have both wrestling shows on their network or they don't want it or WWE doesn't want them on the channel whatever it might be <clears throat> then um that's fine I mean they, they that, that that would be okay because they never actually made it official I believe as far as announcing it but did you see that 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 spot that I'm talking about that may have cost them that TV deal because if so and that was a Billy Corgan move apparently that's one of the dumbest things I've seen in quite some time I think it's turning from LOL TNA to LOL NWA yeah, I saw the clip on Twitter and just laughed. Like I said, the NWA, I mean, the fact that they were going to get on the CW is big because, I mean, it's a better, bigger network than, than TNA's currently on. But if they lost it just doing something stupid like that, it's just funny. That is pretty funny. Uh, talking about Dynamite as we wind down here, Mr. Marceau, one thing we did miss last week, as we usually do, and I'm sure we'll miss something this week, is news tends to break around uh, you know afternoon on Thursdays. Ric Flair is indeed all elite. You know, we had mentioned it on the show last week. I said that he had to be signed to some sort of deal because he did tell Sting, I'm going to be with you till the end, which, I mean, it's it's weird because I'm glad that he's not because we had Sting on the show last night and Ric Flair was not there. But he said that he, that he would be there till the end. Well, what does that mean exactly? Because I thought that would mean he would be with them on every show, managing him and Darby, but he wasn't there last night. I don't want to complain, though, because I don't want him on the show. But no, he actually is all elite, not for a performer contract, hopefully, 
but rather with an endorsement deal for his new energy drink, which sounds just terrible, but it's going to be the new energy drink for AEW. They're going to have it at all the events, selling it, giving it to the performers. They're going to have to drink it and promote it, all this other dumb shit. And um, he's signed there for, for a few years now, so that would be, you know, probably take him through 2025, 2026, and likely involve him making on-air appearances. The Sting thing is whatever. I don't care about it. I don't like it. It is what it is. At least it makes sense. Ric Flair sticking around in any sort of on-air role beyond that is awful. I've said this before. Ric Flair's a legend. He's accomplished a lot. He is a big name. He's very relevant in pop culture, more than most of the current competitors in either company. Ric Flair has no value to AEW. I don't think he's going to boost ratings. I don't think it's going to really make much of a difference, make them any more money than they're already making. He's more of a liability than anything. I just, I rolled my eyes when I saw that, just thinking that this guy should not be all elite. He shouldn't have been signed in the first place. No, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really understand the significance of the signing. Like I said, basically his energy drink that looks very suspect to begin with. Um, I mean, I don't need to see him wrestling. I really don't need to see him on my TV. I don't really understand the move. Like I said, I don't think there really is a real benefit out of it. Um it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. I feel like this guy just keeps getting shots. I get it. He was famous a long time ago, but with all the stuff that's come out about him recently, and I just don't really understand why they'd bring him in here, but I guess they needed an energy drink. Yeah, I guess I just don't understand the idea behind this because I think Tony Khan specifically may act without really thinking about things in the sense that he was the first one to go on Twitter a couple of weeks ago calling out Vince McMahon for his shit, and rightfully so. Vince is, you know, a sex pest, and, you know, that, that's pretty well documented. Not that Ric Flair has done the exact same thing that Vince did. It's not, you know, exactly the same thing, but he was also called out for a lot of shit that he never actually even apologized for from 20 years ago and in subsequent years as well. He also has a lot of issues and has a lot of, uh, you know, skeletons in his closet that he has not, that is that has become public, and he has acknowledged and he is proud of more than anything. But they're not going to say anything about that because they want him on the show. I just think he should probably, would be better off just logging out of Twitter and keeping your mouth shut for a little while if you're going to bring in someone like Ric Flair. No, I completely agree. They're bringing in Mariah May. She's their another latest signing. They announced her on Dynamite this week. I don't really know much about her. Same thing with the Julia situation. I haven't seen her work in stardom, but I know she's good. She's got a great look. And it looks like they might be making her the understudy of Tony Storm. I know the timeless Tony Storm stuff is in your cup of tea, um, but I think this might be a good pickup for the company. Any, any thoughts on her? I, I know you probably aren't too aware of who she is, but any thoughts on her debut last night on Dynamite? Yeah, I, I don't know, honestly, anything about her. Um, I mean, teaming her up with a veteran, I mean, I don't think that's a bad start. Um, like I said, I don't know a ton about her. I've heard a lot more about Julia than her. Um, but no, I think... They have a ton of women. They just kind of need to figure it out with most of them. I think, like you said, teaming up with Tony was kind of all over the TV show. I don't think that hurts. Um, at least you'll get some recognition. And um, I think at least being on TV is a good start. And teaming up with a veteran is not bad. So I think it's a good start. We'll see what happens. Um, I just don't really know a lot about her to kind of articulate any further. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, uh, it's a good signing. But I think, like, you nailed it. You hit the nail right on the head as far as Putting her with Tony, I think, is a good idea in the sense that Tony's all over the show right now. She can benefit from that exposure. I think it's an improvement over <laughs> doing, God forbid, Chris Statlander does an open challenge. She comes out to crickets. No one knows who really she who she is. She might have a good match, but then we don't see her on the show for six months. We see that all the time in AEW. And it works with people that are known and are over and established. Not so much with the lesser-known people. I'm glad they didn't do that with her. This is actually a way... I mean, her introduction wasn't... 
anything overly, you know, uh, over the top or special or anything, but I think she made an impact just by even being introduced the way that she was and introducing that she wants to be involved with Tony Storm, so I like that a lot. The other thing that made headlines from the show last night, dude, I gotta talk about this. Samoa Joe and Keith Lee had a match for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship, okay? They advertised this on Collision last week for this show. They went out there, they had a good match. Joe chokes him out clean, he retains the title. They said before the match that Joe broke the record last week, which they, I don't think, made any fanfare about whatsoever, until they mentioned it here. <clears throat> Not like anyone really gives a shit, but he broke the record as the longest reigning Ring of Honor World Television Champion in Ring of Honor history, breaking Jay Lethal's record from almost eight or nine years ago. He then gets on the mic and then says he's reshifting his focus back to the AEW World Championship and back on MJF. Therefore, he is relinquishing the Ring of Honor World Television title. Now, I know people might be thinking, who gives a shit? It's a pointless It's a pointless title for a pointless brand. Here's my problem with this. I watch Ring of Honor. I mean, I know I'm not the only one, but there's a lot of people who don't, and that makes sense, because why would you? Because the show's just not overly exciting right now, and it hasn't been for a while since AEW bought it, at least a weekly television show. They have this shit all over Dynamite. It feels like half of the Ring of Honor champions, if not more, are on Dynamite Weekly, or on Collision. The titles are being defended on the fucking shows. Okay, they want us to care about Ring of Honor, <clears throat> but you have Samoa Joe out there giving up this championship to go after the AEW World Championship that he already vied for as the Ring of Honor TV champion. So the idea that he has to give up this title like it's a fucking, you know, uh, title shot, like it's option C in TNA or something like that to go after the World Championship is ridiculous. We just saw him go after the AEW World title as the Ring of Honor TV champion. Not to mention MJF is one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I mean, this is just comical. I was just so fucking pissed after I watched this, thinking they just jobbed out Keith Lee. I mean, this is the most fitting thing I've seen them do with Keith Lee in a while. He loses to Joe. They couldn't have just have Keith Lee beat him? They had Joe hold the championship for 600 days like anyone gives a shit, and then he doesn't even drop it to the next person or elevate anyone on his way out of Ring of Honor. I just think that's one of the dumbest things I've seen in some time. And just because it was done with Asuka seven years ago doesn't make it any better. At least Asuka was undefeated, and I thought that was stupid, too. She also should have lost to someone on the way out. They didn't do that. They wanted to keep her undefeated. Joe's not undefeated. He's already lost to MJF and a few other people several times. He could have lost the championship before going after MJF. I just thought that was so dumb, and it got me so heated after I watched that last night. More than it should have, admittedly, but I just thought that was very silly. <laughs> I'm dying. I love how Jesus is fired up over that. I mean, yeah, it makes no sense. Like I said, he literally was the champion when he lost to Punk. Like, lost to Punk. Seriously? Now he's just going to drop the belt. Like I said, the problem is, like, I don't know how often, like, the people that actually hold titles show up on Ring of Honor TV that normal. Like, I doubt MJF's all over the show as the tag team champion. He's not on the show at all. I mean, he's not in Ring of Honor at all. So, I mean, I just think it's funny. It's like... Just at least have him lose on the way out. I just feel like vacating the belt. So now he's going fix, to you know, fix his focus. But, like, he's already lost the title multiple t- to the, for the title multiple times clean. Like, I don't know. I feel like something like that just doesn't make total sense to me. Obviously, I don't give a shit about Ring of Honor, so I don't really care. But I can understand where you're coming from because in hindsight or just in general, it makes no sense. It's insulting to people who watch the product, but my other point is is that they want you to care about Ring of Honor. If they didn't want you to care about Ring of Honor or watch Ring of Honor, they wouldn't have these champions in these title matches all over the show. How often are they advertising, oh, Ring of Honor World title match tonight, Eddie Kingston against Jeff Jarrett? Like, no one gives a fuck, dude. No one cares. And I love Eddie Kingston. I'm glad he won the championship. No one cares about Ring of Honor. And if you want to have it as its own little separate thing, do it on the side, it's your little side cute pet project, whatever. 
It's not, though. It's the same thing as AEW. There are... AEW is Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is AEW. And they have them all over the show. They have all these title matches on the show. They have TV Ring of Honor TV title matches on AEW programming constantly. Why should I care going forward about these TV title matches if they're going to have this title on the show if Samoa Joe himself said it's not worth my time? And he's been holding it for six months. He's been holding it for 600 days. In the last six months alone, he's lost to Punk twice, and Punk never got a title shot. I mean, it was a complete afterthought at that point. It's an afterthought now. Why not have him lose the championship six months ago or give it up a year ago? I just feel like to give it up now is the worst part. And then on top of all of that, like I said, <laughs> if they want you to watch Ring of Honor, you're not. You're not going to watch Ring of Honor anyway. But you're especially not going to, oh, I want to see this tournament to crown a new champion that's going to win by, let me check my notes, fucking Tony Nese. Like, who cares, dude? No one gives a shit. And on top of all of that, like I said, Keith fucking Lee. I mean, what are we doing here? I know this is nothing new. I'm an old man screaming at the clouds here. But, like, if this wasn't the most fitting thing they've done to them yet, like I said, I don't know what is. I mean, the man went in there and lost clean, and then Joe says, this belt is not worth my time. Then why defend it in the first place? Why not just give it to Keith Lee at that point? I mean, what a joke. Keith Lee, I mean, I don't know when his contract is up. He better get his ass out of there as quickly as possible. What a fucking waste, dude. An absolute waste. (laughs) I'm dying. Jesus is going (laughs) off leash. Love it. One of the dumbest things I've seen on this show in some time. And they did a lot of dumb stuff last week. This pissed me off more than anything. I'm just thinking, waste of Keith Lee, waste of the championship, even a waste of Joe. I mean, if you want, listen, at this point, at this point, give Samoa Joe the AEW World Championship. Regardless of what even happened last night, he should be the champion anyway. I mean, Joe's amazing. He comes out there. He's always over. He does great work. He's never going to win another world title again in any other promotion unless he wins it here at this current point. The start and stop pushes with this man are ridiculous. I know he gets hurt a lot, but now's the time. Have him beat MJF at some point. Maybe at World's End. I don't know. If it's not him, I don't know who it is, but I would just give it to Joe at this point, especially to make what we saw last night worthwhile like it even matters anyway because that belt means nothing regardless. Last thing, um, who do you think the devil is? We had the devil on Dynamite last night, and, um, you know, he they attacked, he cleaned, and Billy Gunn, everyone's saying, oh, it's Adam Cole, it's Roderick Strong. I think the new leading theory is that it's Jack Perry because why else would they throw this guy through a glass panel that was so random. I think they did that because they want to poke fun of the fact of the whole punk thing, which is such an insider bullshit thing. I'm not even saying that it was a good idea. But um, the whole thing with Jack Perry and punk was that, you know, he didn't want to go through real glass, and punk was like, you should go through fake glass, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to reiterate it here. But I think it was an inside jab at that. I think it's Jack Perry because we haven't seen him on the show in a while. Adam Cole's hurt, and Roderick Strong would be just a, a joke. It's got to be, I think, Jack Perry. I know you don't care, but I just wanted to get, <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts on the storyline, though. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, people saying Britt Baker. I don't. If it was her, I don't give a shit. No, I don't Jack care. Jack Perry don't care. Honestly, whoever it is, I really don't think I care. I, I, I mean, people say it's MJF. I mean, I, I just don't think it makes sense to be him. I mean, I guess it could be just for a swerve, but if it's Jack Perry, I guess I don't. I don't know. I really. I feel like I honestly totally forgot he was even employed until you just brought it up again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It keeps people's attention, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's really a good payoff at the end. So we'll see. I guess I'll go with Jack Perry. But I, I, if it's Adam Cole, I feel like it makes he, he's out if he's out of action for so long. I mean, how long are you gonna draw it out for? So yeah. I, I guess Jack Perry makes sense. Like I said, people say Britt Baker. If it was her, I literally could give a fuck less. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll go with Jack Perry because it sounds good. <laughs> I think Jack Perry makes sense. Bring him back in Chicago on the post-full gear Thanksgiving show in Chicago. Makes sense. Only fitting. 
I'm not saying it would be anything overly exciting. We've seen MJF and Jack Perry so much, it's not really a storyline I care to see, but maybe they do it at Winter is Coming or World's End or whatever it might be. That's what they could do. I think the only payoff that would actually get people really, really interested, they're not going to do this, and this is not going to happen. I don't want to put this out in the ether. But I think it was maybe Sean Ross Sapp. I don't know who it was. Someone said on Twitter... Imagine if it was punk, and it's not it's punk. Not. I'm not, I know it's stop. not punk. I, I know stop, it's not punk. Stop. I know it's not. But I'm just saying that was. It's the only way to get people actually excited because it would be. What does he say all the time? The greatest trick the devil ever, ever pulled was making people think that he never existed. And they they got rid of punk, and you think he's gone, but he's actually back, and he's feuding with them. That would be amazing, but it's it's not gonna happen. It's punk ain't coming back. I don't think he's going to WWE anytime soon. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's the only payoff that would actually be worth a damn. Otherwise, this feels like Aces and Eights 2.0. I don't know about you. That's what that's the vibe that this gives me. That's what I get, too. It'll probably be Jack Perry, and then I'll just go back to being like, oh, okay. I mean, you could have just brought back Jack Perry without doing this. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Why not just come back normally? But I guess it's not as exciting that way. They want it, like, listen, they want a story long a thread here, story thread with MJF, and I guess... It's got people's attention. People are talking about it, so I guess it's working. I don't really care that much, but that's just me. That's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for WrestleRant Radio, November 9th, 2023. We'll talk more next week on uh, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Mr. Marceau, brother, enjoy the birthday in the next week. I'm sure we'll talk at some point. And uh, congrats on the Dirty 30. Thanks, bro. <laughs> talk to you soon, bro. Take care. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio. Radio.